Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. So fuck you and fuck your baby and fuck your wife. <laughs> Why fuck them all? See, have headphones. We're recording at a barbecue gas station. We're not pausing this to put a baby in there. So, uh, so you can just stop it, right? You're half drunk and high and oh, trying to read a map. Right, We're literally... <laughs> We're on the edge of the Grand Canyon. That's my whole job when I'm on the road is protecting my butt. Stoner! And the fat man. He says, man... You really need to turn your life around. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up this <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos, as always. It's good to have you back. Uh, today on the podcast, I thought I would uh, talk about my dad. Um touched on a little bit about his life and some of the older podcasts. I did a entire podcast on uh, how one of his favorite pastimes was uh, returning things to retailers. Uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Nothing made that man happier than uh, screwing retailers. But, uh, so I don't know. I thought it would be cool to do... Uh, uh, an entire podcast on uh, some of the stories I remember from my dad. Um, he passed away in uh, February of uh, 2011, so it's been uh, it's been a while. Um, for those for those that don't know, my dad was roughly about 20 years older than my mom when they got married. Um, he actually was married for about 16 or 17 years, had a daughter, got divorced, and uh, that's when he met my mom. So he had, like, almost two full, like, different um, families, kind of, you know. So I have a half-sister that's uh, in her 60s, and uh got three nieces from that uh from that family who were only a couple years older than uh are they older than me no i'm older than them so they're only a couple years younger than me and i feel like they're older than my younger sister Anyways, it was just always crazy when we hung out together. We'd just call each other cousins because it made more sense than, you know, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I'm like, I'm her uncle, you know. It sounds kind of Alabama-ish. So, uh, but my dad, it's such an interesting life because uh, when he was 17, he uh, he lied about his age so he could join the Navy because he really wanted to, uh, you know, help out our country. It was around, uh, not around, but uh, smack dab in the middle of World War II when he lied about his age to join the Navy. I think he was 17, and he had to be 18. Um, (laughs) 
I love how rigorous our checking was back then. I'm pretty sure with how many people were fighting and dying in World War II, we were pretty much taking anybody that we could to go over there and protect us. Um, but he tells us, like, he, he would tell this crazy story about how when he got finished with basic training, he uh, he was standing on the deck of, like, a huge uh, aircraft carrier, and there was, like, a couple hundred guys on the deck. And this five-star general came out on the deck, and he said, uh, count off one, two. So they went down the entire line of guys, and they all w- counted off one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And he said, two, step forward. And he said, uh, you're all going over to Europe to fight for our country and the ones are going to stay here and protect our interests at home. So it turned out that my dad was one. So he, uh, he never ended up going overseas to fight. He stayed here on an aircraft carrier and, uh, became a cook. So he was a cook in the Navy for a couple of years until he had an accident. <laughs> um, such a crazy story too so he had a like a meat slicer you know that you would slice deli meats and other things and he just wasn't paying attention and he uh he, he uh cut the tips of his uh right pointer and middle finger off not like at the knuckle but like just kind of shaved maybe like a fourth of an inch off the top of his fingers and uh he ended up getting discharged over that um years later they actually tried to give him a purple heart for it and he just laughed at him on the phone <laughs> um so that was that was pretty crazy but he uh he came back home and uh he uh he ended up going to Purdue University and uh he played for the Boilermakers for I think it was just a season, and uh, <laughs> he would tell this other story that uh, he uh, he sat on the bench pretty much the entire season, and he got one opportunity to go in and play in the game, and uh, he like gave a certain player a break for one play, and uh, he got hit so hard he got knocked out. <laughs> so it was like. I think that's the I don't even remember, but I know he just like played one down and uh and that was the end of his career as a boiler maker. So Oh the stuff I remember about my dad, he was just such a funny guy and you know, a lot older than a lot of my friends' dads, but he just seemed like he had so much life to him you know he's a hundred percent greek so he just like didn't seem like he aged at all you know and uh he was horrible at uh like mechanical stuff or building things but he just always wanted to do it though you know like he he had a problem like asking for help and it's so funny because 
when I think back about my dad and that kind of stuff, I'm the exact same way. Like, I would rather, like, watch something on YouTube or read a manual or something and try to figure out how to do it instead of calling a bunch of people to help me do it and, you know, try to save the money and do it myself. And thankfully, knock on wood, uh, I haven't had as many accidents as my dad had because I think it's on my second comedy album, my first full-length comedy album, The Life and Times of a Large Man, as I wrote a funny song that I think is on, I'm pretty sure it's on the the podcast I did a while back called Funny Songs Part 2, where it's an entire song called Accident Prone Dad, because uh, it just became like almost legend the amount of things that he had done to himself um there was one time he was cutting wood in the uh in the garage and of course my dad didn't want to pay the extra money to get a get a seahorse uh, a seesaw like uh, a seesaw <laughs> a sawhorse i believe it's called where you can put the wood on it and then you can cut it and no, he he just felt like the the small six inch stone uh, like edge of the garage would be good enough to use a power saw to cut to cut wood, and uh, he ended up cutting straight through the cord to the saw, which I think is the funniest thing. He didn't clear the cord out of the way, so he cut the wood and then went right through the cord, and that was pretty much the end of the saw. So, I just remember our garage just being a hodgepodge of tools everywhere. Like, if we needed a screwdriver or a hammer or something, we were just like, there was like three different crappy toolboxes in our garage, and nothing matched or anything. I remember being in a friend's garage, and he had like one of those snap-on tool um like tool chest things and i was just like god this this is a lot better idea than what we had as a kid you know and then uh i don't know why he was doing it but there was one day where he my mom wanted him to hang some lights in the backyard like over the patio so if it was like getting dark outside he could still see things so I feel like he had bought a couple strings of lights and he thought they were going to be a lot longer than they were and he was kind of pissed off about it and he uh, didn't want to run them back over to Jerry's hardware or whatever so he decided that he was going to splice the two sets of lights together like he was going to strip the wires and then twist them together and make this long string of lights and in the process of that because you know obviously we don't have a wire stripper in our garage we'd never purchased that so he was just using a kitchen knife uh to strip the wires in the backyard and he ended up slicing his uh pointer finger down to the bone like that's how far he cut his finger like he cut it so far down that somehow it wasn't even bleeding it was like the grossest thing he came inside he's like yeah look what i did and my mom's like oh my god let's go we got to get you to the hospital and he ended up having to get some stitches on that but it was just ridiculous and there was a 
there was a birthday where uh where they took me off to valley fair and uh if you don't know valley fair is like six flags but it's a lot smaller than six flags and it's uh in minnesota and uh so while i was there he was gonna like dig a hole and pour cement and put up a basketball hoop for me so he had dug the hole and got the pole in and got the cement all set and like went through all of this stuff and then uh he came out to put the second uh section of the pole on top of the one that just sat in the cement and he dropped it on his foot and he broke his toe (laughs) so we come back from valley fair and all i see is this pole and the cement and i was like that's weird and then we went inside and my dad was uh he had his foot up and wrapped (laughs) because then they had to go to the hospital again (laughs) god he's just such a nut man like there was a time he I don't know what we bought, but there was a huge cardboard box that had to go out in the trash. And uh, he was kind of like trying to stomp the cardboard box down, and he tripped and fell into the cardboard box. And he got stuck in there for a while. And he just laid in there (laughs) and just tried to like conserve his energy to make the one big push to get out of the cardboard box. Because, I mean, at that point, when I was born, he was 50. He was 50 years old when I was born, and I have a younger sister who's three years younger than me, so he was having kids till he was 53. So, I mean, at the time that he fell into the box and was trying to get out of it, I mean, he was 63 or 4 at that time, and still just killing it, just running all over and just no stop to him. It was just crazy, man. But... uh had so many like he was he was digging out the yard to put some stones in the driveway and he was trying to dig out this big piece of like sod and the and the shovel snapped on him and he rolled out into the street (laughs) oh god man he fell down the stairs like the night before we were supposed to go to hawaii we thought he broke his ankle um I remember looking upstairs at one morning and he was like trying to put his pants on and he tripped and fell in front of the doorway. Um, I mean, there's just so many, I can't remember all of them, but, uh, and I think that I've talked about it before. Like my dad was, you know, he didn't have that many hobbies, you know, like he, Loved watching Vikings football games and getting completely (sighs) furious like I do now. And uh, his only other real hobby was gambling. Like he, uh, he was pretty addicted to gambling. And I think I've talked about it before on other podcasts. But, uh, you know, that was a lot of our family vacations were going to Las Vegas because he would get free hotel rooms he would get free airfare he'd get free food and and drinks there it was a pretty treat a pretty cheap um vacation but uh it's just so funny because i don't know if if you're listening to this if you've ever seen the movie vegas vacation with chevy chase um but we used to laugh when we watched that movie because 
the Chevy Chase character in that movie is like exactly like my dad. Like some of the the neuroses, like if he played with a blackjack dealer that was constantly beating him, like he he wouldn't move to another table. Like he had this thing like, no, you took my money, so I'm going to get it back from you. Like I could never understand that. I was like, obviously, because like blackjack blackjack is a very strange game you know because it's not a machine it's not dice it's not you're not playing like blackjack is the only game other than poker where you're legitimately playing against another person and that's important because for whatever reason in blackjack like no matter how random the cards are that come out for whatever reason sometimes you have better luck against certain people than you do other people and i talked about it in the podcast when i worked at the casino like there's certain people that deal blackjack that will give away money and there's certain blackjack dealers that'll never give away money and it's really hard to explain or understand but it happens so like in my head when i would play blackjack if somebody was beating me I wouldn't sit there and just keep trying to, you know, like, waver the storm, like, somehow it's going to turn around, like, I would just get up and go to another table, but he was just focused, like, I'm going to, you know, take this person's money, and that's it, and, and it's really the only thing, hobby-wise, that he really enjoyed, you know, it's just so strange man like with all the different things in the world to to you know bide your time with like being i think uh august was two years that uh i gave up gambling in those two years i've had some slips where i've gambled and uh and it's so funny now because even though I have the slips and I gamble, and most of the time it's like I'm someplace and they give me a free $5. And I'm like, why not? You know, it's like free money. But, you know, it just all starts rushing back to me when I put that money in, like, you know, how much of a hold it has. And uh, and it just runs through my entire family's bloodline this addiction to gambling and uh so i'm just i'm glad to be not doing it anymore but i think one of the one of the things i can look back on with a really you know big you know i just it makes my heart happy to know that towards the end of my dad's life when his health kind of started deteriorating on him i don't know what it was but me and my brother both kind of knew that you know he didn't have that many years left i think at that point he was i think he was 80 so for his 80th birthday me and my brother took him to las vegas and i think before that it had been close to like 10 years since he had been to Las Vegas just because um, 
his health had been deteriorating and and obviously they didn't really have the money for him to travel to Las Vegas and gamble a bunch of money away so but that was a really important trip you know it was me my brother and my dad and I feel like that was kind of like that was kind of the last trip for me uh to Vegas where I ever had when I had a good time you know I went many times after my dad passed away and I I I've been there a few times since my brother's passed away but it's just never felt the same you know that trip was you know I wish I wish my brother had had a better time I know he was kind of worried the entire time about my dad because uh you know we still had to kind of wheel him around in a wheelchair but he still did pretty good walking short distances and he was completely there mentally and and uh uh visually and everything and just a fun just so many funny stories from that trip i remember it's about one in the morning and we were having breakfast at the cafe after a full day of gambling and my dad had ended up getting an english muffin with uh and then he put grape jelly on it or raspberry jelly or something and I just remember sitting there with my dad and my brother and, and uh, you know, just having a good time. And and my dad took a bite of the English muffin and he got jelly on his thumb. And uh, my brother goes, Dad, you have jelly on your thumb? And he was like, oh. And then he sucked it off his thumb, then proceeded to take another bite of the English muffin, getting jelly in the exact same spot he had just licked it off <laughs> and my brother goes dad and he goes i forget it you know because <laughs> he was like he's gonna suck it off and then two seconds later he's gonna have jelly right back in the exact same place so why bother but that uh made such an early flight we stuffed a couple Krispy Kremes down my dad's throat and gave him my coffee and we got on the plane and it wasn't soon after that with that we that we realized how much uh how many health problems that my dad had and and they just started compounding on top of each other and and uh and they just started getting worse and worse. But uh my dad <laughs> he had so many crazy little things like because he retired, he worked a lot longer than than uh, most people do before they retire. I think mostly because he actually liked his job. He worked as a banker for uh, Norwest and then got folded into Wells Fargo. And uh, for the longest time, he did this job called disaster planning, which was really crazy. So his whole job was creating these plans for banks to get back online after a natural or man-made disaster. So like after a fire or a flood or a hurricane or something, he actually wrote a book that I'm pretty sure that they still use um, on the steps to getting a bank back up and running uh, after a disaster. Such a strange job, but he really enjoyed it. And, uh, because he started out in international banking, and I, 
hadn't really talked to him about what that really entailed, but I'm assuming it meant that uh, he went around the world dealing in banking-type things. So he retired, I think it was in his late 60s, early 70s. So after that, he uh, he just kind of hung out at home by himself, you know. That's my one big regret. There was a long period of time there where I didn't really go over there and spend that much time with him. Um, but, uh, you know, I used to have a lot of anger towards my brother because when my dad got sick, he said he wanted to come home. So my brother basically volunteered me and him to be his, um, 24 hours, seven day a week caregivers at home and kind of had to take step back from our jobs and relationships and stuff to take care of my dad. And at first I was really angry with him, but as I sit here now and I think back to it, I'm like, what an amazing gift, you know, because I got to spend so much time with my dad before he passed and just so many great memories of that time too, just sitting and talking and stuff because as he got older, like his problems got worse and he kept having these attacks every year where they would kind of wipe him out and then he'd have to go back into a care center for a couple months and kind of recover and stuff and uh i remember there was one time where uh he was getting therapy and he you know uh, all the way to the end man he was just sharp as attack and just so funny and just so quick but uh we were i was sitting there with him and and this nurse physical therapist or whoever she was was helping him do these uh like arm curls and like leg stretches and stuff like that and she was wearing kind of a low-cut shirt uh that was showing a lot of cleavage which i was really surprised at being it was a care center and she was a physical therapist but she was putting weights on my dad's feet and she was kind of bent over and and he saw her cleavage and he looked at me and he was like huh and i was like oh dad i mean it was just so crazy we uh I think one of the fondest memories um there was a time i think it was 2003 so he would have been uh like 73 i think anyways um i had planned this trip where i was going to go out to new york and uh, do a bunch of spots in New York City and try to make some contacts and stuff. And I had uh, this uh, contest in Pittsburgh I was going to do on the way out there, and then a couple gigs in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then um, after the stuff in New York, we were going to stay with my half-sister, his first daughter, and, and stay with the family and stuff. And there was just so many great stories from that trip. Like we were driving all the way. And when we got to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, they had just opened the hotel that was attached to the comedy club. And I didn't realize that they hadn't really staffed the hotel yet. So I remember there was one morning where we got up and my dad was like, you know, you want to go to breakfast. So we ended up going to Bob Evans, which was, uh, right next to the hotel. And, uh, I had made a call down, like, to get the room made up while we were gone, and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. So 
we went to breakfast and right after breakfast my dad was like we got to get back to the hotel room because i got a poop and i was like all right so we got back there and they hadn't even cleaned the room yet so i was like oh it's good timing so he goes in there and drops like a horrible crap and it really just stinks man i mean it was horrible to the point my dad's like why don't we go out for the day just kind of check out the town or whatever and i was like yeah it's probably a good idea and as we're leaving the room here come the people to clean it not knowing that they haven't staffed the hotel the cleaners are the general manager the manager and like the door the the front desk guy and i was just like oh my god this is so embarrassing so like oh we're here to clean the room and i'm like uh i'm sorry and we just walked away (laughs) it was just (laughs) just a horrible poop but yeah my dad was one of a kind man you know he uh some of his other hobbies as he he would like he'd answer the phone and if it was a telemarketer he would just start talking to him in greek and then scream really loud and hang up the phone um if solicitors came to the door he would open it and they would start their spiel and he wouldn't even say bye or whatever he would just shut the door in their face and lock it i remember one day i was over there and somebody knocked on the door and i opened it and it was some kid selling magazines or something and and my dad was in the kitchen and he came in and he was like what's going on and i go i don't know this kid's selling magazines and he said oh for christ's sakes and he kind of shoved me out of the way and slammed the door in the kid's face and locked it (laughs) but uh he also did a thing where like if you were messing around in the kitchen like making something like you would turn around and he'd be there like what do we got going on here like you know can i get some of that it was like every time (laughs) and uh i don't know what that was he would just like hang out in the kitchen and just like watch you make whatever you're making and uh i I don't know i think he was just trying to be involved in our lives and stuff you know but uh i mean i've said it before too man like i really had no idea what i was going to do with my career and i did that uh comedy show after the comedy class that i took when i started out in comedy and I did that set and it went really well and I just remember my dad being the first one that ran up to me and gave me a big hug and and he said you found a kid you found the thing you're going to do for the rest of your life and uh he wasn't lying man it's just uh I'm grateful that that he hung in there long enough that uh he was able to see me on the Bob and Tom show that came on at like two in the morning my brother went and woke him up and they both sat there and watched me on the Bob and Tom show and um he was just always really really behind me in my career and he got to see me do stand up a bunch of times and he lo- he loved the accident prone dad song he thought it was so funny but uh yeah he was just a good guy man miss him a lot you know he's definitely where i get my uh where i get my comedy from just out of his mind (laughs) just such a such a good guy man 
and a good dad. Just uh, hope every day I'm living up to his expectations as a father and uh, trying to pass off all the insanity. Sometimes I just laugh because I'll start doing something and I'll be like, God, my dad used to do this to me all the time. He'd love to sing and whistle and and just do insane things, you know, like run from one room to another, you know, come running in and steal Oreos out of the closet and run out the other way. And he was just full of life, man, you know. And it was, it was tough when he went, you know, because uh, a part of you hopes that, uh, you know, Obviously, obviously that your loved ones live a long and and uh, and fruitful life, which which he definitely did. You know, he passed at eighty four. Um, you know, four kids, slew of grandkids, and and uh, but uh, that was probably the toughest part was that he went so slow. You know. Because towards the end of his life, it was always a battle between his heart and his kidneys, like which one would go first between his uh, diabetes and uh, his congestive heart failure. Um, it was just hard to tell which one was going to get him. And the doctors always said, you know, hopefully it'll be his heart because then he'll go really fast. And if it's his kidneys, it's going to suck. And of course it ended up being his kidneys because uh nothing's easy when it would come to pete pulos <laughs> but yeah that was the toughest part i think at the point where they decided that uh there wasn't much else they could do like he hung around for like 11 days before he passed away but i think it was one of those scenarios where he was just kind of waiting until he was ready you know because like they moved him to the hospice wing in the ho- in the hospital, and it was just like a horrible place. Just no like, it just felt very cold, you know. And we were really ticked off with the hospital when they told us that we had to move him because his insurance only covered like a certain amount of time he could spend in the hospital. If they weren't treating him, he'd have to be moved to a a hospice care facility, which uh, we did. And, uh, we moved him to, uh, NC Little, which is in Edina, Minnesota. And if you ever have a loved one that gets to that point, I would, I would move him to NC Little. It's an amazing place. So we moved him over there. I think it was the morning of February 1st, uh, or no, it was, uh, that's why the, it was like January 31st that we moved him over there. So we got him over there about 2.30 in the afternoon, and they got him comfortable in this room and stuff. And just so much love. A lot of people there hanging out all day and just laughing and telling stories about my dad. And and then everybody left and and because uh, it was, you know, a matter of days before he passed away. The first night, uh, me and my wife stayed there at uh, the hospice with him. And I think it was about three o'clock in the mornings when he passed away and I was there with him and uh it took me a long time also with that uh 
I was kind of angry about it that I had to be there when he passed away because I didn't really want to see it. But, uh, you know, my wife, just an amazing person. She just always kind of reminds me, you know, like that's that's a gift that you were able to be there with him and, uh, and be able to hold his hand as he passed. And uh, I know that's true now, you know, because he... Uh, for whatever reason, decided that he wanted to go when it was just me and me and Anita there. So passed quietly, and and that was it. But his big personality still lives on, man. I still talk about him daily, and I'm just glad there's tons of video of him so I can show it to my daughter when she gets old enough, tell her how crazy her grandpa was. <laughs> But uh, I appreciate you guys tuning into this podcast. I enjoy doing it. You know, I enjoy talking about my life and my comedy. And I appreciate the feedback when you guys like it too. So you can always uh, get it on iTunes or Podbean. Uh, check out my Twitter and my Facebook and all that BS. But uh, yeah, um, thanks for tuning in. And uh, tune in next time when we talk about who knows. You stepped on a nail in your socks. You tripped and fell into a cardboard box. You cut your finger down to the bone You knocked yourself out with a big brick stone Accident prone, Dad You're not dead and that makes us glad We may point and laugh at you But you just split your pants, what can we do? You dropped the pole and broke both your feet You snapped a shovel and rolled into the street You fell down a flight of stairs You lit the barbecue and burnt your nose hairs Accident prone, dead You're not dead and that makes us glad We may point and laugh at you but you just ate a B, what can we do? You fell off a ladder, hanging Christmas lights You almost hung yourself when the flying kites I love you with all of my heart Then you go and light a stinky fart Accident prone, dead You're not dead us glad we may point and laugh at you but you just punch your nuts what can we do